What's Up Whittier? Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. Hey guys, producer Christine here with this week's community corkboard announcements. Every Friday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., we have the Uptown Whittier Farmers Market, located on the corner of Philadelphia and Bright. If you're interested in becoming a vendor for the Farmers Market, please contact the Farmers Market Manager, Daniel Gomez, at farmersmarket at whittieruptown.org. So this is pretty cool. I subscribe to the Whittier Uptown Association's email. So I'm going to go through the email. If you don't receive it, then you should definitely sign up for it. Go to whittieruptown.org. Or if you do receive the email, well, here's a fresh reminder on the wonderful things that you can do this week in Uptown. On January 30th, join George Caldera of The Knotted Apron for a cooking with beer and whiskey class. So this was $65. Again, it'll be January 30th at 7 p.m. And this is the menu. A Negro Modelo with Machego cheese and Mexican chorizo fondue. Roasted baby beets, goat cheese, pistachio salad with a shandy vinaigrette. Sweet potatoes with whiskey, pecans, and marshmallows. Ribeye steak with a whiskey steak sauce. And chocolate mousse with whiskey-infused whipped cream. Sounds super delicious, so don't forget to go to thenoddedapron.com to look it up today. On Friday and Saturday, January 25th and 26th, join Crepes and Graves Cafe for their Jubilee Hour from 4 to 7 p.m. They will have $5 wine, $4 beers, they have a great wine tasting, and there are sweet meals for two just for $48 with a special menu. And on Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m., they will have jazz at trios. So super exciting. Also, Saturday nights, they have live music from 7 to 9. And don't forget, Crepes and Grapes is located at 6560 Greenleaf Avenue in Uptown Whittier, California. Join the Whittier Chamber as they present this year's Sweet Success Business Expo with a cute theme of Candyland. So it'll take place January 31st, 2019 from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Double Tree Hotel. Just kidding. At the Whittier Community Center, 7630 Washington Avenue. If you want more information, please feel free to email Courtney Gray. Congratulations to Courtney on her getting married. And you can send an email to Courtney at WhittierChamber.com. The event is free to the public, so please join us at the Chamber. Enjoy some free samples, local vendor displays, giveaways, and see what the Chamber is all about. Also, don't forget to bring your business cards so you can network. On Saturday, February 2nd, join our Congresswoman and past What's Up With Your Guest, Linda Sanchez, for Coffee with the Congresswoman on Saturday, February 2nd at 9.30 in the morning at La Monarca in Pico Rivera. I know it's in Pico, but, you know, she's our congresswoman. And if you want to drop by and tell her that you really enjoyed her episode and what she had to say from the podcast, you definitely can go at 9.30 a.m. at La Monarca in Pico Rivera. On Friday, February 8th at 5.30 p.m., join Sir Optimist International, the Whittier Dreamliner, for their Aloha Cruise. This is a great opportunity to go support this nonprofit, Sir Optimist. And, you know, they really help out the young women of our community. So for more information, so for more information, you can head on to siwhittier.org slash cruise to learn more about this big fundraiser that they do every year. And, I mean, I love cruising, so I'm sure it'll be really excited. Um, it'll be a really great event. I am excited to attend. 
on Wednesday, February 13th, join the Uptown Whittier Art Stroll for their Valentine pop-up, Art and Boutique. So this will be hosted inside of Sage, which is located at 6511 Greenleaf Avenue in Uptown Whittier. I always love the art strolls, not only because it's a great way to meet different people and meet different artists that have their um, their real handcrafted art pieces out, but you know, this is a Valentine pop-up, so why not take your Valentine? Although it is, it does fall on Valentine's Day. Why not beat the rush? Everyone's going to be out on the 14th, and it's going to be hard to get dinner reservations, you know, with your Valentine, and it's a Thursday, so everyone, even the single people will be out. Why not make February 13th your date night? So that'd be great. You know, you go to Uptown, enjoy the art stroll, and then, you know, pick up a piece of art for your sweet loved one. Okay, last two events, and then I promise we're going to get on with the show. This is a really great episode, you guys, and I just want to make sure that you get all the information possible that I can give to you. Mark your calendar, Saturday, April 6th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. The Whittier Uptown Association is hosting their Art and Antique Spring Fair. So this is a really fun fair. Um, a lot of people, not only artists that create their own material and you know, their own painting and artisanal products. It's really wonderful. There are also antique dealers that stop by. So you don't have to go all the way to the Rose Bowl, um, you know, for their flea market thing or whatever. So just, you can check that out. And yeah, looks like that's all I have for you this week, you guys. So if you have any more information that you would like to send, just email communitycorkboard at whatsupwhittier.com or you can send me a message, uh, christine at whatsupwhittier.com. Don't forget to tag us. You can check that out. Don't forget to follow all of our social media. Follow What's Up Whittier at What's Up Whittier on Facebook and Instagram at What's Up 562 on the Twitter. And please listen to our stuff and don't forget to subscribe to this episode because I can guarantee you that, you know, we're, I mean, I'm just, I don't want to give away too much. I don't want to jinx myself, but I'm very... I'm very positive that the different organizations that we're going to have on the podcast this year will really help um, invigorate the community and also give you, the listener, an opportunity to learn about so many of these organizations that make our town happen. You know, it's not just the different associations of merchants or property owners or even the local city government. It's people like you in the community that want to give their time, give their resources to these different nonprofits. It's really exciting and I'm really honored to have been able to meet so many of these wonderful people and share their experiences on this podcast with all of you. So again, don't forget to follow me, producer Christine, at The Singing Moon on Instagram. You can check out my website, christinesingerluna.com. I don't know why you would want to do that, but if you need a notary, you can do that. Visit Remo the Realtor. Check out Remo at all of his stuff at Remo the Realtor on everything. Go to RemoTheRealtor.com. I shared a fun story um, a few podcast episodes ago about needing to get in contact with Remo. And uh, honestly, he's a good guy. Reach out. Same with Jesse. Also a good guy. Jesse uh, Carrillo. You can follow him at J2Architects. You can also hire him to be your architect. Go to j2architects.com. Remo and Jesse are really great guys in the community. And please feel free to reach out. Tell them what's up. Whittier sent you. And, you know, you really appreciate their efforts doing this podcast as much as I do. So it looks like that's all I have for you this week. And I'm trying to think. Oh, one more thing. We have some great and exciting news coming up for the brewery. Yes, you heard me right. The Whittier Brewery that everybody's been waiting on. Um, the new concept is called Poet Gardens. It'll be located at the Nixon Plaza, which is where we record. 
So we are transitioning into that being our new home. What's up, Whittier? That's going to be our new home because inside of the Poet Gardens, it's definitely going to have multiple uses. So imagine a baby version of like Grand Central Market and Anaheim Packing House. So in the back corner, there will be the brewery where they're going to have um, hot dogs, different stuff, and also different food stalls. So you'll have pizza, seafood, um, different types of coffee cakes, desserts. There's going to be a wine library. It's going to be a really great addition to our community. Plus, the best part, uh, well, I'm a little biased, to be honest, but we're putting in an internet radio station for the town. Isn't that kind of cool? So What's Up Whittier will for sure be a program. Actually, I think What's Up Whittier was probably the first program that was put on there because me, your producer, Christine, is now like radio station manager, Christine, but I'll still be your producer. So again, follow WIPA Radio, Uptown Central Station on everything. And if you yourself are a musician, you're a podcaster, um, you know, you're a DJ, and you want your program to be out on our airwaves, please feel free to email us at info at WIPARadio.com. You can also check us out at WIPARadio.com. Our website is live and active. And also go on to our Instagram at WIPARadio. Check out our Facebook, WIPARadio. And our um, Twitter. We have a Twitter as well, WIP Radio. So please, we appreciate all of the support that you've given us over the last two years. And I'm excited to take you guys on this journey for 2019 and 2020 and even further beyond that. So thank you again for pressing play and downloading this podcast episode. Don't forget to hit the button subscribe. And yeah, this is a great episode. Take it away, Jesse and Remo. What's up? What's up? Woody Air. There you go. And then the dun 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 Oh man, see see what happens when the when you're uh, parting too hard for the new year. Parting too hard for the new year. It, it's it's you're still trying to. Because I was in bed by ten p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm getting older and I'm getting I'm married. So <laughs> it's not, not getting same. married. You're married. Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh man, happy new year! By the way, it's uh, this is our first episode uh, for the new year, and. Um, did you guys already put your list together for resolutions? Um, no, my resolution oh, is always to take over the world. So I thought you were going to say it's the same ones as last year. So you just no. copy it over. No, no, I, I don't do resolutions. So. Or any goals? Goals, I can give you a list of goals. All right, let's I'll not, email them to you. Let's not, let's not go there. Yeah, Christine? I have to see your microphone. Um, well, I made a resolution two years ago, which was to run a marathon, and I didn't do it. But I did run nine miles on Sunday in the hot chocolate 15K in San Francisco. So that's like only three miles less than a half marathon, which is only like, was that 13 miles less than a full marathon? So I think this could be the year, guys. I think this could be the so year. So you didn't run the marathon? No, but I did nine <laughs> miles. I did my nine oh. miles, which is uh, motivating me on my way because I oh. hate running. But anyway, so that's my intention. Actually, I was going to say that was a marathon because whether it's one mile or two miles for me, that's a marathon <laughs> in itself. So, anyways. Well, Remo, we're, we're here at it again. Um, and this week or this podcast, uh, who's our special guest? We have Irene and TK from uh, Whittier First Day. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Hi. So Welcome, we, guys. Hi. Yeah. hi. <laughs> Are you guys still also on last year? Trying hey, no, to recruit? Still I still sign everything 2018 <laughs> into that part, yeah. The good thing is that the 8 has a round on it that you can still kind of scribble you off. You can fix like, it. You can complete like, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 2019. Really? Yeah. I mean, a 9, you can go to the 8, but... No, it's easy. You kind of just start scribbling harder on the, oh. on the 9. 
or the eight or whatever it is. <laughs> so we're here today uh, in your location. Um, do you want to tell us? Uh, well, and it's also a rainy day, so it kind of awesome, ties yeah. into our conversation that we're going to have today. Um, so, Irene TK, you guys want to tell us who you are and where we're at? Sure. Um, my name is Irene Muro. I'm the executive director of Whittier First Day. Uh, we are a homeless services agency here in the city of Whittier that provides street outreach, interim housing, housing navigation, prevention, and supportive services, as well as having a health and wellness center on site. Our mission is to assist individuals, youth, and families who are currently or at risk of experiencing homelessness to transition towards self-sufficiency as defined by them. Wow. Um, and you memorized all that. No. I did. <laughs> That's why I told her to go first. Yeah. <laughs> um, my name is TK Monzon. I'm the CES program director, and I'm also the clinic nurse downstairs at the Health and Wellness Center. Um, and I work with Irene. <laughs> um, I, uh, I oversee the, the outreach and then the housing navigation, um, the rapid rehousing. And then um, I also have two pop-up clinics, which uh, is at the Food Bank, Interfaith Food Banking Santa Fe Springs, and one um, at St. Matthias. So in terms of the, the Whittier First Day, um, is this like, I know you guys are a nonprofit, is this your only location, and what cities do you serve? Uh, this is our only location. Uh, we do outreach to um, cities of uh, La Mirada, Montebello, Pico Rivera, Santa Fe Springs, Whittier, and Whittier Unincorporated. Um, so LA County is broken down into eight. If you go by, if you guys watch Game of Thrones, like kingdoms mm-hmm. <laughs> or eight districts, um, and it's called spas or service planning areas. So we're what's called Spa Seven, which um, Spa Seven is about twenty-seven cities. Freeway wise, it's uh, north of the ninety-one, Orange County, south of the sixty, and then east of the seven ten. So that little block is about twenty-something cities. Um, in that, it's broken down into four little mini areas called local coordinating agencies. So ours is LCA2, which is those cities that I mentioned. And then LCA1 is more like it hugs the 710, which is like Kadehe, Southgate. I don't know most of their names. And then LCA3 is about the central one, which is like uh, by Kingdom Causes Bellflower. Um, They do uh, Downey, Whittier, Cerritos area. And then people assisting the homeless or PATH. Um, they do the south part, which is like Long uh, Hawaiian Gardens, Lakewood area. That's a big group or a big yeah. area. I mean, talk about just uh, the population alone. That's pretty big. It, um, how many, I mean, roughly, how many people are you servicing uh, within that area? Um, I want to, s- like in LCA2. Uh, yeah, and you're just in your kind of... Yeah, 2,300, yeah. That's our client base. We have a client base of 2,300. Here at our facility here, we provide about 900 contacts of service uh, to about 700 clients that are unduplicated, specifically here for the city of Whittier. What does that mean, unduplicated? Meaning that they come for a service and aren't coming back for multiple services. So that's 700 new um, specific individuals that are coming for service. And that would be a week, a a month? That's for the entire year. For the year, okay. Which is still a lot. I mean, yeah. you talk about, you know, how many people we have in, in just that area or population-wise. I mean, that's a lot of people for – I mean, how, how big are you – how big is your group staff-wise? We have about 
24 staff members. Um, the bulk of them are full-time, and they range from resident ambassadors who are our staff here on site at our shelter to our street outreach navigators, our admin staff, housing navigators, and so forth. Wow. Mm-hmm. Again, not, not a big group either to, to be able to take care of or, or, or service that many uh, uh, clients. Is it clients? Yeah, Members? Clients, What's the yeah. right Program word? participants. Yeah. There you go, mm-hmm. yeah. No, oh, wow. I mean, congratulations on keeping able to or trying to keep up with that. You know, it's a, it's a big task. Um, going into like the, the homelessness, I know you guys talked about uh, servicing um, not just adults, but also teens, right? Um, or families. Uh, uh, we, our organization mostly does um, or specifically does single um, unattached adults. Mm-hmm. Um, youth, which is 18 to 24. Um, is done by another organization called Hovenes uh, Inc. Um, and then the families are done uh, through the family lead for the spa, which is the whole child. And they're also based out in Whittier. So you guys work with other nonprofits locally to be able to kind of uh, yeah service um, that same family or, or potential family? Oh, yeah. So we still work within, although we specifically work with adults, um, there's some overlap. So, for for example, if like a family um, is separated from their whole, uh, a person is separated from their whole family, or if it's a young, if it's a young family, so if they're like a family, uh, uh, teen moms or whatever, then uh, we can work with Hovenis or we can work with um, the whole child to connect them to services. We also serve primarily as a, a catch-all a catch type of organization where well, while we may not directly provide shelter for families and so forth, it, families will come to us because we're a known organization in the community to be able to help um, assess their situation and then do a referral out. Uh, we always pride ourselves on the success of our partnerships and the fact that we're able to do warm handoffs to Hovenus, which is a lead for youth, as well as to whole child for families. So. So how does it work if, if somebody, um, I guess, what, what what would what would qualify somebody to come and use your resources? I know we say homeless, but I mean Let's that could be that. I mean, like, if, the, if we can define that, I think that would be really important. Um, which is tricky because um, like homelessness looks different for a lot of people. Um, sure. The general consensus about homelessness is is that you know the the person on the side of the freeway. Um, what HUD defines homelessness as someone. Homelessness is someone who is staying at a place that's not uh, meant to be habitable. So that could be a car. Um, it could be like um, in, in you know in like the streets. Um, a shelter setting it is uh, not technically. So it's essentially places not meant for human habitation. Uh, For youth, it's a little bit different. Youth are allowed to be what is called couch surfers. So they can go from like a neighbor's or a friend's couch um, and still be considered homeless. For families and for single adults, it's a little different. If they're living with a family member, even if they're all sleeping on a floor, they're not necessarily considered homeless. Um, But so it it depends really on the situation. Um, As you know, there's different... Different aspects. I mean, we have 45 beds downstairs, and we can give you 45 different reasons why people are homeless and what that looks like. Yeah. So even for some, um, if someone's staying at a hotel and they're paying for it, they're technically not homeless, Mm -hmm. experiencing homelessness. Um, But if, like, they have a church or a service that's paying for the hotel, then they are experiencing homelessness. So it's it's that kind of definition that gets us, that gets a little tricky. 
And with the 45 beds um, here, um, what is usually the kind of occupancy? Is it usually full where there's not enough room, Mm -hmm. especially on a day like this where it's raining? Yes, we're actually at full capacity right now. Um, We have uh, three different types of of beds that we have available. We have the general population, which we have about 11 beds. Those are full. I mean, those are primarily for the city of Whittier residents. Um, and we have a wait list of two to three months for those beds. And we have two others that are for specific populations, so primarily people exiting institutions like healthcare, substance abuse, mental health facilities, um, people requiring um, uh, people that are being connected to services and, and other things that might need some extra help. So it really depends. But on days like this, I mean, it's anytime the weather is really hot or really cold or rainy, like outside, we get a lot of individuals coming to our facility. Um, unfortunately, in SPA 7, there, we don't have a winter shelter program, which means that during this time period, we have to refer people out to our other local spas, which are SPA 3, SPA 4, um, or SPA 8, which is Long Beach. Yeah. So um, it's really difficult. There is a winter shelter here that's run through the Interfaith Council, but they're booked long before the shelter even opens. And how do they make it to the other <coughs> locations? Is there services that take them there, buses and... Our team will provide um, outreach. So we have our street outreach team. So uh, if we have staff available, we will go ahead and pick up the individual. We'll make contact with the winter shelter and um, provide transportation to them. There's also designated locations where we can transport individuals to. And then there's um, uh, like a a trolley, um, a bus, a shuttle bus that will come and pick them up and take them. So, so based on like the cases that you've seen or the individuals coming in, what would be like an example of somebody uh, becoming uh, homeless or be, or getting in a situation where they're having to use your services? Like, can you share with us something like that? Or if anyone can experience homelessness. Like a lot, uh, you know, like uh, like is there anything you've seen lately that's kind of like in two thousand eight? You saw a lot of people losing their jobs, mm-hmm. and that kind of trickled down to a lot of things. Um, is there anything like recently like depends on the population so population so what we've seen for example for older adults um, you know like rent increases and they're on a fixed income and, or they're usually on like social security um, and then usually have a disability a physical or medical condition of some sort that prevents them from increasing their income or getting a job mm-hmm. and so like you know it's like in order to feed myself like i can't really pay the rent so i can just i'd rather just or it's probably more um probably more ideal for that person to stay in the car and um which technically it isn't because that that are like that can put them at risk for complicating their medical issues um we see that a lot for older adults it's unfortunate because a lot of them have fixed income and they want to um they want to stay in the area that they they grew up in mm-hmm. and who doesn't like um and and that makes it really hard um another example is like for you know they uh a lot of um have like health issues and then they get hospitalized and they get um they can't afford the medical issue uh paying for their medical bills or they lose their job because they're out for so long. So that tends to be uh, another cause for homelessness. Or if someone is living with like a dependent for so long, or they're a dependent for so long, um, like let's say a person, 
has lived with their parents all their life and they were taking care of them and their parents got sick or passed away and they didn't really have some sort of income and now they find themselves on the street. We yeah. see that most a lot here in Whittier uh, because of the aging population. So we'll get adult adult sons or daughters that have been living with their parents. The parents pass. The house either goes to probate or is sold or something else. And so now those individuals are left without a place to go. Um, also, we get a lot of families and other individuals that come in because of rent increases. Whittier is very blessed to have a lot of developments, a lot of housing developments that are going up. Unfortunately, the downside of that is is that it pushes up rents all around. Um, and a lot of people are being displaced from where they're currently, uh, where they've been for a while. So it's, it's economy. It's economy of scales. Yeah. I mean, things that we deal with. Um, here, I mean, at our shelter, we're, we're not a crisis shelter, so we don't, and we're not a winter shelter. So individuals come here, and it's considered interim housing. So individuals are able to be here for three months at a time with, uh, and can renew that time on an ongoing basis. But the idea is to remove the, the barrier of having to look for, home, for a house or a place to live um, and so that they can focus on those other issues that they might need to overcome uh, their current experience of homelessness. And with those people that are living here, and you say it's three months, um, that means they have a bed for the next three months so they can come to. Is there certain, like, time restrictions that they have to, almost like curfew, that they have to be here and maybe leave the facility by a certain time? Or can they just hang out here all three months? So interim housing um, is essentially providing 24 access, 24 hours, seven days a week access to their shelter bed. So they um, have an assigned bed when they come in. And um, they're assigned a case manager that works with them while they're here. They're allowed to remain on site. Uh, that's part of the, the housing that we provide. Uh, while we do encourage them to uh, continue building on their skills, whether it's looking for a job, seeking medical attention, or whatever that might be, that's where our staff comes into play in terms of helping them move along that journey. Um, our program is one that um, we don't just provide a meal, a hot meal, three cots and a hot, that, that mm-hmm. model is out. It really is partnering with those individuals to identify a housing stability plan, to look at those things that they need to become self-sufficient, which is defined by the client or the program participant. While we want everybody housed, it might be that for that particular resident, it's maintaining their sobriety. It could be that they're reunifying with family. It could be that they get a, a job. I mean, it's in looking at that... Um, as we work with individuals transitioning from homelessness, it's on their terms. We can go ahead and provide assistance and so forth, but it's a process. And oftentimes there's years of trauma and um, other uh, issues that sur- surface that we then have to work through with those individuals. Yeah, I, I think the what you just said is, for me, kind of like the like the idea of somebody being homeless and then having these organizations, like in your case, providing, like you said, just a hot meal and a hot, warm place to sleep, um, but not giving those additional services to try to either rehabilitate or or, um, educate uh, to kind of get them ready for that workforce if they are going to get into the workforce or even just kind of getting ready to find a place, right? Um, but you guys go through that whole process. Um, is there like um, is there like a a set uh, program like like meaning this is like you go through it step by step, or is it just kind of more like uh, um, they pick and choose depending on what they're looking for? 
We have um, a, uh, we have our model in terms of what we do um, as people come into the shelter. I mean, starting from and our programs are really from streets to home and thereafter. So we even after we place someone into housing, we come with a, a year's worth of paid case management and then some thereafter. I mean, we're still engaged with some clients that we housed three, four, five years ago that still might need some ongoing support. Um, while they're here, we we have a particular model. So it's the initial assessment. They go through a housing stability planning process, and then they're triaged to see what other resources they might be able to be connected to. So, for example, um, if they're able to work, we assign we have them work with our, our job club coordinator to learn uh, different skills that they might need, whether it's resume writing and so forth. Um, if they're not able to work because they might be disabled and may not yet be connected with benefits, we go ahead and provide them uh, referrals and ongoing assistance with getting connected to those those resources as well. Um, and it's you know, and looking at what are some of those other things that they might need if they need um, alcohol and substance use issues, if they've got a health care issue that they haven't attended to, those are the <clears> things that we work with them through their process. But the, essentially the, the model is um, starting with the housing stability plan and then creating goals that are visited on a monthly basis. Um, progress is tracked. Uh, we track everything from whether they've been able to increase their income and how they've been working on attaining their goals with the ultimate major goal of getting them housed into a place of their own. What would be? What would you say is your like success rate for something like that currently? Like, do you guys? I mean, I don't want to. I'm not trying to put you in the spot, but like, w- the reason why I ask is, is for example, I got in conversations. Um, again, I've been I've been listening to the whole homeless topic uh, here in Whittier. Uh, I don't know the last five six years, and it seems like it's becoming more of a topic now. Um, <coughs> And and more of a topic because uh, my office is in Uptown, and so there you see a lot more. Uh, um, I don't know if they're all technically homeless, but there you see a lot of people who are hanging out there, kind of uh, panhandling and stuff like that. And so there, that's where the topics come in of like you know there's you know they don't want help. There's resources, but they don't want the help. Um, or these people don't are not from within the area, um, or or um, they're all refusing to take that help. Um, and they're only picking and choosing certain things. Um, that's reason. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm trying to understand, like, or I don't know, if debunk is the right word, but mm-hmm. like clarify some of the stuff that you know uh, local people are concerned about, um, and not, and not educated or informed of how this process works, and and obviously the work you guys are doing. Um, so that's kind of the where I'm coming from in terms of like what is mm-hmm. that success rate, and and even if there's any success um if you would classify it as success i mean what what would be the 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 approach on saying you know what we've we've helped you know this many individuals and based on those individuals it's all kind of like in this area and they're back kind of to contribute towards you know the overall economy so, I mean, I I've said a lot, but the <laughs> end. I'll, I'll hand it off to TK. But just a, a couple of points to make is that um, success is measured in different shapes, ways, and forms. So, for us, definitely getting people housed is is the ultimate success. But there's different things that come with that. Um, I think with the work that we do, uh, TK mentioned this earlier. Is we might get a call from somebody that says, "Hey, there's so and so at the corner of Painter and and Whittier Boulevard. Um, can you guys send somebody?" We'll send our team out. We'll engage them. Um, 
that initial engagement isn't going to solve the problem. I mean, our team has to continue to go out there, and we have to build a relationship. And people will call back and say, hey, they're still there. Why are they still there? And so we usually tell them this. If you're experiencing a, an episode of um, homelessness, let's say something. You know, you lose your home, or myself, for example. Um, I live at home with my husband and my three boys. So if we were experiencing homelessness, there's two things. First and foremost, my family would be split up. We would not all be able to go to the same shelter. So my, myself and my five-year-old would be able to go to a family shelter. Perhaps my husband, too, but my two older boys would then have to go into the adult system because they're both over the age of 18. So that's something that for us, we would probably rather stay together and be in our vehicle than have to move out and separate the family that way. The other thing is, is if we're going through some sort of experience like this and someone that we don't know comes up and says, hey, I can help you. We can help you get housing, but we need a couple of things from you. And these are fundamentals. Every system needs this. We need your Social Security, your ID, proof of income, birth certificates for you and everybody who's in your family. That's not something we're just going to hand over. I mean, I'm not sure I'd give that to a lot of people nowadays, um, but it's -hmm. it's something that we need to trust. And so our team is all about building that trust. And so for us... If we're able to house someone after nine years of engagement, that is success. Whereas other people might say, well, you failed for nine years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it took you so long. But it's really understanding that, you know, when we work with, homeless, uh, with homelessness, it's a multifaceted issue. It's not just a cookie cutter mold and everything's going to be solved. And what we see out on the streets right now, are it's chronic homelessness. You have people that have been out on the streets for years and have several different layers that we need to unfold. Um, overall, I mean, in terms of being able to place people into housing, it's difficult because we're competing with college students, we're competing with working professionals, we're competing with so many different individuals for the same units that we don't have enough of in our area. We have a less than 2% vacancy rate overall. And as we're working with landlords, and this is why um, the work that we do around landlord engagement is super important because we're you know, trying to let them know, yes, our, our client may not have perfect credit, may have just gotten employed, but... They come with us. We come with a year's worth of case management and ongoing assistance with them. But it's the same thing. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's a business decision for, for that person. But overall, in terms of when we're able to house someone, we have an over 90% success rate of having that person stay housed after one year, which is I huge think. for us. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like we're housing hundreds of people every day because the units aren't there. Yeah. If the units were there, our team would fill them. But I'll hand it off to you. Um, what she said. No, um, I, I think, like, also success, uh, at least on the case management side, it, like, depends on the person, as we were in, uh, initially discussed. So, and we also operate on a harm reduction model. You know, if the person wants to, um, well, like, an example is, like, you know, if, if they don't want to, if we can get them to, you know, not to clean up their, their area, Albeit they're still in, they're still occupying the space that they're at. They're not supposed to be in. If they can come, we can try to work with a compromise. Like, hey, you maybe you shouldn't be there at a certain time, or hey, maybe we can um, ha- like help pick up stuff for you, and then or like um, direct you to a shelter or direct you some to another service. Um, doing those things with the client, um, or like. You, some some clients like okay I wanna I, I I use a lot of my income for cigarettes or um, maybe I can cut back so that's we include that on our on our goal as a personal goal and we celebrate that we also do a lot of case management with them so it's like okay well maybe we can take you to um, 
to to the GR or or general relief or social security or whatever. And um, some clients may not want to go there because they just don't know how to work that process. And we teach them how to be self-sufficient in that way. Okay, this is what this is what you're going to look forward to. Um, this is the forms that you may need to fill up, or this is the questions that you you're probably going to get asked. Um, and it, it's going to look scary the first few times we're going to be there if you need the support or if you need transportation. Um, yeah. Well, I have a question. We talked about the client. Who are your clients? And you mentioned the crisis center. Who are not your clients then? So, because I, I drive by here on we're on Woodier Boulevard, and I see sometimes uh, an encampment here of a couple homeless homeless people, and I think to myself, well, it's right across the street. Why don't they just go in there mm-hmm. rather than being there? So, would someone like that be your not your client or? How, who who's not your client? I guess um, we try to work with. So like in terms of e- even like our staff, they say refuse, refuse. We try to change that language to like the client's not ready. Um, also, there's probably some past it, like past experiences from the the client. So um, shelters weren't the best like a long time ago. They've changed now. Um, and they may have experience of like, oh, I got in a fight or, mm-hmm. oh, my stuff has been stolen. I may even feel sh- uh, safer in where I'm at in the streets versus going to the shelter where there is now like 45 people who I, I barely know and um, I feel unsafe that way. Yeah. So that might have some resistance for getting him to the shelter. And that's what the benefit of do, um, doing some case management on the streets is at least we're working with them on where they feel safe. And usually, when they want to, when they end up feeling safe, they they're more open to other services. I would say, for um, with regard to the the clientele that we work with, it's essentially um, not that there isn't anybody we don't work with. It's um, though we work with those individuals that are ready to be engaged. Uh, our staff, I mean, you, we can see and we know, so we can recognize. Even myself at the executive director <laughs> director level, I now know you're not a familiar face. You're not someone that I've seen before. But our staff will usually know, yes, so-and-so is at this place, so-and-so is at that place. Um, one thing that, that TK uh, started up a few months ago and his team were uh, monthly case conferencing uh, sessions where we meet with local providers, with law enforcement, with city officials to talk about um, individuals in our area and uh, being able to see how we can collaboratively work together to then get individuals off the street. And some of the individuals that have been on the street for a long time, we've had some successes through those partnerships to be able to get them housed. Uh, but it's, once again, through that collaboration. So for us, we don't necessarily say that there is somebody we won't work with or somebody that we don't serve. It's really more so just um, when those individuals are ready to accept what we're able to offer. So, And they got to want it, right? Like, I mean, they, right. they, uh, you're not going to force anybody to, <clears throat> to get in here and try to yeah. get help or, or support. Um, let's see if you guys could debunk this one, too. Is is Have you guys noticed or... Does it feel like there's more homeless coming to Whittier from, like, different cities? Um, we actually, a, a few years ago, um, there was a, a community survey, like, of the people on the streets in Whittier. And what we found that, like, in one way, shape, or form, most of those individuals were, like, my dad grew up here, and I was a kid here, and then we moved away, and then I remember this place. Um, I... 
I worked here for like 40 years and I remember and I thought Skateland was back or whatever but they found that Skateland's no longer there <laughs> um, or it, it's like those things we found that a lot of those individuals had some connection to Whittier um, the new faces I, I think the new faces are because they were never ha- uh, experiencing homelessness before mm-hmm. and that's why they ended up there. people perceive them as new faces or they moved away and then come back yeah, that's that's the. Uh, so the the idea or the comment that that would be said that um, because Whittier is providing really good services to the homeless, um, that all of a sudden you're seeing buses being sent <laughs> over with with a bunch yeah. of people from different oh cities. I mean, yeah. is that something um, that's like way every, out there and and not true? I mean, every city. Uh, I've actually heard that in. Uh, there's been a few homeless plans in a lot of cities and I've attended a few of them and a lot of um, a a lot of uh, community members like have that panic or like oh they're migrating into our cities and they have better services why can't they go over there Um, it is a problem I think it's I think it's because the community lives or community members live within their own community there's that perception um uh our neighboring cities have that same that same like oh everyone's being bussed into our own towns or like they're coming from downtown LA or like whatever region or Orange County um I haven't seen uh, this is anecdotal I don't know if there's any data or if, if I can have any data on it but like I haven't seen anyone that's like migrated en masse here um yeah I know there was one um there was that that big cleanup in um, Orange County, yeah, in Orange County off the 57, 55. 55. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of expectation that they w- we would see like a lot of them here, but we haven't really seen them in our LCA. Yeah. yeah, and if I might add, I mean, I think just overall, there's more awareness around homelessness. So you just are, and generally, I think the population, the general pop- public, is just more aware of what's going on in their community. So. I mean, it's now since I've been here about three years now with the organization, every city that I go to, I'm always like, oh, what's there? Oh, what's there? You know, because you're just more aware of what to look for. And and I think that overall, that's kind of what's going on. Also, I mean, back to where, you know, all these people are coming to Whittier. I mean, I think something to keep in mind is that um, overall, when people are in crisis, you go to what's safe. You go to what's home. You go to where you feel secure because that's the only thing you can hold on to. And so like TK said, for a, for the majority of the people we work with, this is their home. I mean, and this is where they're going to be. We see them now because perhaps before they were housed and they had a unit and they weren't able to sustain that rent. So now they're out on the street. Um, I mean, and it's we from here in the city of Whittier, I mean, we get at least one to two people, whether it's a person, a family, or a youth, contacting us about having trouble paying their rent every every week. And so it's, I mean, that adds up over, and this is just us. I mean, we have multiple service providers. I'm sure they could probably also say the same thing. Uh, one last point on this is that we've been here since the early 2000s, and <coughs> our numbers um, over the last five years have been pretty consistent. We're seeing a slight uptake in some populations. Other, Like, for example, last year, we had a lot more women that we were seeing. This year, that number hasn't been as high as uh, so far in terms of this first this first month. We're not seeing the same numbers that we were seeing last year. Um, we do see a lot of women that are looking to reunify with their families, and so are, are here at our shelter in the meantime. But then we'll transition over into the family system afterwards. But, yeah. 
Well, I have a like a piggyback question to what Jesse mentioned about the services and what you're having a lot of services. Uptown, I know, has a lot of you know churches that feed the homeless, and and so as a as a resident of Uptown, or you recently recently left out the Uptown area, um, that was something that was always a, a concern. Um, you know, if every church is feeding, which you know that's that's what churches do. Um, how does how do residents have that feeling of being safe if you know if there's a hundred two hundred homeless that are just kind of hanging out and they only go there when they need to but you know maybe they're hanging out in someone's backyard our house um wasn't we had an alley access and so we would have them so for someone like me or or our family what would we be able to do with an organization like you you guys is it give you a call and you guys come and engage them is it do we call the police do we um if if they are on your property or like vandalizing or doing something like illegal then yeah call the police um, we we get a lot. Of, we've gotten a lot of calls in the past. It's like, oh, they're like they're, you know, someone's like going through my trash, or there's someone sleeping on my property. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not law enforcement, so we we tell them like, yeah, we'll defer you to law enforcement. Um, LA County now has what's called LA Hop. Um, it's a website. Um, I don't know the website like off the top of my head, but. Uh, essentially like community members can like make a request saying like oh this person is on the corner of mar vista and washington and um this is a like a 50 year old female ish ish and have that description and then that usually gets um uh it's essentially like a dispatch thing and it goes to us and then we can go out there to that person um, within a reasonable time, it won't be like within like two hours or anything. Yeah. Um, but we can go out there probably within the next, within like three three business days, three to f- yeah, ideally three business days. Well, as as, like, res- as residents, what it, what would be best practices? You know, I, I'll give you a perfect example. Today we got an Amazon package at home, right? My mom, uh, my mom, my my wife says, "Who's at the door?" We check the cameras, and so just that paranoidness of of just even the Amazon driver, now you have someone um, that is maybe walking onto the property or just, you know, looks like they might not belong in the area. What can you give um, someone like, you know, me or my wife that this is what you should do in a situation like this? Or is I mean, it, I think anytime anybody fears for their safety or anything like that, we definitely ask law enforcement. We definitely refer to law enforcement. I mean, our teams aren't law enforcement um, officials. I mean, for us to be where we talk to our na- our business neighbors around here, lighting is always great. Mm-hmm. Being aware of your surroundings is always great. Um, signage in terms of no trespassing, things like that. Those are things that we advise our general neighbors. Um, in terms of other things to do, I, I'm a parent. I have a five-year-old. I mean, we go to parks mm-hmm. sometimes, and yeah. there's some of our homeless neighbors that are there. Um, it's it's just a matter of uh, engaging with your local service providers. We never recommend anybody to go up to someone who's experiencing homelessness and try mm-hmm. to say, hey, let's get you help, because you just don't know what that person may or may not be going through at that particular moment. Um, our staff is trained. Uh, we're, we are outreaching to churches. In fact, we're trying to see if we can engage some individuals that are interested in doing some street outreach to help volunteer with, with our teams. Um, and, and just understanding that um, 
what we're what we're committed to are not um, band-aid solutions so we are looking at some what are some of those long-term systemic changes that we can work on and how do we engage our local community to do that um, so with churches, rather than them um, go out and just hand out sandwiches and so forth, we'd love to get them trained in terms of the work that we do, everything from trying to find housing to if it's transportation or other things like that that they can assist our teams with, obviously with one of our staff members paired and so forth, so forth but looking at some of those longer-term solutions. Um, and just, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, it is. I'm not going to say this work is easy. It it is a challenge. But at the end of the day, one of the things that drew me to Whittier was because of that small town feel and that we take care of each other. And I think that that's something here in Whittier. It really resonates in the work that we do. Uh, First Day has been extremely successful not only because of its partnerships, because of how giving the community is. Uh, and so individuals are ready to open up their hearts as well as their pocketbooks. And our idea is just to try to garner that that support and educate i mean there's uh we mentioned la hop the website is is la-hop.org um there is some informational videos on there and so forth that people can go after and look into um, but just come talk to us come find out what what we do and in how to engage in that work uh what are things that you should do or shouldn't do uh, the city is very active in terms of partnering with with local agencies but um, also being able to respond to situations. If you see something, like, for example, if you see an encampment coming up, give us a call, give the city a call, report it on the LA Hop uh, website, and we know that there will be individuals that are going to be getting to those calls, and we'll be making sure that they're actually responding. I was going to say, so do you guys, I mean, I, I think what Remo kind of was discussing is, again, you got these local churches that are trying to help, right? They're, they're, they're trying to um, be helpful. Um, and so they're providing uh, meals, right? And in some cases, some kind of you know temporary bed and, and showers and stuff like that. Um, but you're right. In terms of th- that's a great service, but it's not a complete or holistic uh, service for the actual problem. Is problem the right word? But I guess situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys partnered with those local churches to be able to kind of walk it through? the whole system you are absolutely so right now i mean one of the things that i mean our staff regularly goes out to as well but there's an initiative with some of the churches called greenleaf and so that's actually with drew Pryor, we're working with them to try to see how we can um, engage some of their ministries to be able to support the work that we do as well as other agencies um, I think for us too, it's um, well. We understand that. I mean, there. I I grew up Catholic, so for me, it's like you provide service and you do unto others, and the whole Correct. the whole spiel. Um, and it's just looking at what how do how can we garner that same feeling into the work that we're doing. So we may be giving out a sandwich, but we're also doing an assessment, there you or go. we're giving out some a hygiene kit and some socks. But we have a mental health provider there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's being able to leverage and come together as a team so we're not just giving out a sandwich and that's it and we're gone. It's, no, here's a sandwich, here's our outreach team, we're engaging, we know where you're at, can we come back and see you? Um, and that's how we start building that relationship. I'm glad you said that because I think that's where that kind of concern is, is like are these churches just providing a, a, a warm meal and that's it? You know, but but I'm glad you're saying that because there's more to it. There's a, there's a backstory to that. So we have uh, a couple questions from Instagram. As I have them on my phone, and, and now I'm getting a call. So <laughs> let's decline that call. And okay, so we have a question um, from Austin Mejia eighty nine. 
Uh, how can the community get involved? Come visit us. Uh, we are here Monday through Friday. Our front office is open 8 to 5. We have staff here 24-7. But come see what we do firsthand. I always tell people, I can get up here and give you an elevator speech, but until you come and see what we do, it's an entirely different experience. More often than not, we get people to say, oh, I didn't know you did that. Oh, I didn't know you did that. Um, and so that's why we want people to be here. Uh, visit our website. We have different opportunities that come up there. Give us a call. I mean, we're... We're always in the community, um, and I think for us, that's uh, just shoot out to uh, shoot out a call to us, and we'll respond. Plus, I was going to add to it that you guys have the homeless count, right? Yes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. the homeless count, um, uh, all of the U.S. does it. Uh, They used to do it every two years. Now they do it annually. Our homeless count falls on Wednesday, January twenty third. Um, it's a night count, meaning, uh, and it's also what's called a point in time, meaning like we go out and do kind of a census of the um, of people on the streets in our communities. Uh, the purpose of that it, it kind of gives us an idea of what what's homelessness like in our communities, what services are needed, um, and it helps bring up, bring in some resources. Um, our our count. Um, is on the 23rd and it is at Parnell Park. The city of Whittier is holding theirs at Parnell Park. Um, and then there's another site which is at, um, well, the address to Parnell Park is uh, 15390 Lambert Road in Whittier. And also the Whittier Community Resource Center. Um, I don't have the address of that, but it's off the corner of Florence and Laurel. That does the South Whittier unincorporated account. Um, and Irene is going to be the deployment head for the Parnell Park, and I'm the deployment head for the other site, which the Community Resource Center. So if somebody wants to sign up, how do they get in contact with you guys? Uh, they can sign up. Uh, they can go to www.theycountwillyou.org, um, which is uh, they can sign up there. They can choose. There's many other. The, uh, there's a lot of cities in L.A. County that are doing it that night as well. Um, so if you're not in Whittier, Pico Rivera, Montebello, Santa Fe Springs, Whittier, um, and um, La Mirada, they're doing their accounts that night as well. And they can choose that those sites. Okay. Um, they can choose that site, and then they can get signed up with it. They'll get automatically put on Irene's or my roster. Okay. How many volunteers do you think you guys need for that day? And, and w- at the end of the day... What would be a successful evening if you've counted how many? Um, I think for us, uh, what I guess how we define success is getting all the the areas counted. In the past, we didn't have as much volunteers to where we would get like all the sites counted. I think last year we had a um, the whole spa seven had like a ninety two or a hundred percent count. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Meaning all of spa seven, every nook and cranny of spa seven got counted and uh, how do you how can you confirm like everything was counted because oh yeah sure is it because you go to locations that are that are known that that's where so homeless are it's oh. a, something to keep in mind about the homeless count is it's an observational study yeah so okay. it's okay. something so it's that at that particular moment at that particular time uh, with those particular so individuals it's going out. It's a snapshot of what might be out there, um, especially like weather like this. People aren't going to be out on the streets. They're going to be trying to get into the bushes and other yeah. areas. But because it's observational, we don't have people you know, looking in the bushes or doing other stuff like right. that. Um, for the uh, the areas that uh, we send out, we this is why we need 
people that know Whittier and know the community to come out because they might know a particular census track and say, hey, I, we already know where the hot spots are, so we're going to go ahead and make sure that this area is counted. It's difficult when people don't know the area and they're driving around and trying to figure out, okay, where am I at? Where am I going? Yeah. Um, but this is super important because this is how money is allocated to our community. So this is why we need people to come out. And, and is it a driving count or are you getting out yeah. of the car and no talking you, to people um, okay i think in my census track and all of my census track i think that's yours too with the exception of uptown everything's all along car meaning that you just drive around and like see if this person oh there's a tent here there's an rv there and then they count that for a walking census track which is like a little small map it's just they walk up and down the street it's like one two three so like skid row has a lot of walking maps versus here it's really expensive um, so you just get in your car and drive. Yeah. So how many people do you think you need for the 23rd, if you were to put a number of volunteers? We need at least 100 volunteers between the two sites. So we would need about 30 for the Community Resource Center and at least 70 for the city of Whittier. Wow. And there's different ways to help. Make it happen, Remo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> send a, a call or a message. Is your wife available? That yes. <laughs> she could be call, one of the call, drivers. Call the family, all the family members. Yeah, and do, how do people sign up? For, to participate in oh, He just said so it. <laughs> www.theycountwillyou.org. Okay. And we'll add that to the show notes, too, if people want to want to follow that. I'm just making sure uh, people heard it. <laughs> no, you were in the room. <laughs> one, one last question, or I guess topic. Uh, do you guys want to go through uh, your, your guys' uh, program updates? I mean, is there anything mm-hmm. you guys want to share? Sure. Um, I know it's raining, but we have a shower program. <laughs> um, it's a mobile Stand shower outside. program. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a mobile shower program. It's about six months old, and it's really cool because there's not much, not many shower programs in this area um, before. Uh, so a cl- we, it's like a little trailer, or say a big trailer. Um, we park it at uh, Liberty Plaza on second and third Fridays of the month. Um, from 10 to 1, and then the clients come in. We also have, like, um, outreach there, and we also have, like, some donations and a hygiene kit, and they can use that to shower. Um, we also also do one at Steinmetz Park, which is in Hacienda Heights, that we partner with another agency to do the showers there. Um, we also have... Um, we do a, a landlord engagement. So Irene said that's one of the things that we talk about we need is for, um, you know, trying to engage landlords as to opening up their units for um, Section A or even low-income families. Um, we try to engage our landlords, you know, make, making sure we let them know, like, hey, yes, we have case management or with the clients once they're housed or we will, we're still continuing to work with them. It's not like a hey, your house, hands off, bye, nice knowing you. We're still working with them to make sure they they don't go back on the streets. Now, I had a question. When you say you have 12 months of case management, what does that mean to a landlord um, or, or to a, any person? Well, it's, it's more like um, anything that we make sure that the person is thriving in that community or in that area. Um, we make sure that, you know, life skills in the past, what I've taught is – Someone um, we housed um, didn't know how to do the dishes, and they thought they were just, you know, they thought it was a disposable thing because it's a life skill that in the street wasn't really, they probably have forgotten. So it's teaching them life skills, teaching them, like, um, 
not to uh, to reconnect with the, the area that they're in. So a lot of times uh, they get housed in another city or in a n- another neighborhood and they have no idea how to access like services or even simple things such as like, hey, there's a grocery down here or hey, there's um, you know, there's a clinic down here or here, here's a church nearby that you may want to get connected to to kind of thrive in your in um, another community. And on the landlord side, what this means is that we're helping to protect their investment. So with the case management, we're checking in on them regularly. So we're doing inspections of the unit as well. Um, we also have access to funding in the event that there were damage to the unit. We can go ahead and fix that. So it's added security and added... Um, an added layer of protection for the investment that the landlord is making. So we're there if there's any problems as a as a liaison between the landlord and the tenant to help address any issues. And at the end of the day, if it's not a good uh, a good partnership, then we can also help move um, the individual into another unit where it makes a better fit. Good. And um, just a practical question is: is first day or the landlord are they expected to get market rents or are they? Are you hoping that landlords make adjustments to the rents in order to get the participant in the house? We're competing in the market. I mean, okay. our, it's our clients are competing for the same units that everybody else is. Got it. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Anything else in terms of updates that you guys have? Okay. I, I want to get your guys' perspective, if I can. Christine's um, giving at, Jesse the finger. <laughs> you know, the, the city, city of L.A. and even Orange County has was – in discussions, LA City actually is already doing something about it. These like um, they call them like homeless in, um, homeless communities where they're doing kind of temporary housing. They're like mobile homes essentially, right, with showers and everything like that. I mean, what are you guys' thoughts of doing something here or even locally? I mean, is that is that does that make sense? So, like a safe parking, or no? It's it, it's essentially taking like trailer homes, mm-hmm. like uh, like the ones they use for like uh, schools, right? These these temporary oh, like the bungalows, oh, yeah. and but yeah, you go bungalows and, and kind of creating housing and it's temporary housing, mm-hmm. um, and it gives them showers, everything. And but it's in a in a specific it's in a specific area um, where you know you I don't want to call it like an encampment, but it, it's it's. It's, it's a community. It's with a community. Support yes. Services and so forth. Um, I know Orange County was trying to do something similar, where they're trying to, you know, designate a city that would kind of house everybody, right? You get the like the goods and the bads and all that stuff. I mean, I like to hear your guys' kind of perspective on something like that, like locally. I mean, is that something that would make sense? Does not make sense? I think it would make sense if it's. Uh, this is a personal, so I can't speak for the organization. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, it would make sense if it's in every community. So that's how Skid Row st- got started, is that like back in the 80s or 70s or whatever, it's just like all the sit- surrounding cities was like, we're going to give you the money, you take care of it, and we're going to give you the people on the streets, you take care of it. And so that's how Skid Row kind of just started. Yeah. Um, if it's like, um, if, like, for example, if Whittier became the central hub or the surrounding cities where they send they give us the the funding and we do that it's it's almost the same thing so the little encampments would probably be beneficial if it was like one in Pico Rivera or one in La Mara or Montebello or Santa Fe Springs um, because at least they can uh, provide some communities to their own uh, the people in, within their own community yeah 
I mean, I think for um, as first day, we want housing. So we understand that certain things are temporary. Um, I think that in conjunction with a longer term plan to transition those individuals to housing would work. A community like that in and of itself by itself with no and no long term solution is probably something that Correct. would be really difficult. Um, there are alternatives and, and things that, I mean, as service providers, we go through this, too. I mean, getting somebody yeah. in and off the streets is what we want to do. But, I mean, even providing, like, a safe parking program where we can have individuals come into an area where they can park their vehicles safe. We have support services. There's showers. There's food. There's staff. That's something that, you know, we, we it's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's something that, yes, we would love to support and we want to do. But at the same time, we don't want that to be the permanent solution. Correct. correct. So it's always it's always a little tricky in terms of it. But if it, with long-term planning, absolutely. These safe parking, the communities that you're speaking of will definitely work. I'm going to give you my point of view. I think it's a good idea um, in terms of as long kind of like what you said, TK, just having it dispersed. Rather than having it central in one specific city, that it should be dispersed and dispersed but also integrated with that community. So that, that individual or that family that's going through through a phase, right, it's a specific phase in their life, um, could could feel that they're part of that community but at the same time, they're being supported by the community somehow. Because um, at, at the end of the day, if you if we get into, I mean, they're no different than us. I mean, it, you know, we're all human. We all feel, you know. Um, but if you're given that opportunity to do better, um, and like in my case, I'm 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 trying to do better for my community in my point of life or stage of life. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you would think that that would also happen for that individual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, I think I think you're right. I think in terms of trying to do something like that, it would be great. Um, but and it will solve a lot of things. I mean, I mean, um, you know, trying to uh, the whole migration that we keep talking about, right? Like the, the concern about people migrating. I mean, that just would solve so many concerns on that. You know, also, you know, who who's kind of living next to me, kind of deal. You know, once you get to know them, you know, they all got stories. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that's my kind of point of view. Um, I'm not going to ask your point of view, Remo, because I already know. <laughs> but but uh, again, you know, it's it's uh, it's awesome that you guys do those kind of these kind of programs. Anything else that you guys want to discuss, uh, either upcoming or, or or announcements on what you guys got going on here, or or actually needs? Like, is there any needs that you guys have other other than this homeless count? Like. <laughs> office space. We're bursting at the seams. <laughs> we need some affordable office space. No, um, that's longer term planning. Um, I think our immediate needs, we're always, uh, there's different ways that people can engage. Um, we also regularly take donations of a variety of different items. Hygiene items are always things that we need. Deodorant, razor, shampoo, things like that that we utilize for our hygiene kits, um, as well as blankets and warm clothing during times like this. Um, during uh, the summer, we utilize more lighter clothing and so forth. But uh, women's and men's undergarments, these are all things that are very important to uh, our homeless neighbors that may not have a change of clothing or other things that can do, especially with weather like this. Um, other things that we can utilize is just come and see us. I mean, come get to know what we do. Um, my goal is to have uh, as many educated people, people out there, so that we can have on the issue of homelessness and people that are empowered to go out and help our neighbors in need. So, um, and the homeless count is our focus right now. Yeah. So that's all we can see for the next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a, a location where clothes can be dropped off 
I mean, other than here, yeah, so it's just downstairs. knocking on the door, or is yeah. there like an actual? I don't know what those between eight and five. Uh, no, okay. we don't have uh, like bins or things bins, that people uh-huh, can. Yeah. No, but people can donate. Don't, uh, have things dropped off here between eight and five. Um, we take uh, new or gently used clothing. Um, the one things we don't usually recycle are used undergarments. We prefer new just for hygienic reasons. But um, donations can be dropped off between 8 and 5. Uh, and if there's uh, time after that, we always have staff here. So we can always coordinate something if someone needs a weekend drop-off or things like that. Can you give us your physical address? Show us for the listeners. That's- sure. We're at 12426 Whittier Boulevard um, here in the city of Whittier. Zip code is 90602. We're just down the street from Five Points. So. Very cool. Very cool. All right, on to our Whittier questions. Whittier questions. This is a a really heavy topic because you know compare, which is not a bad thing. It, it's something that again, it's been around and a lot of people have been talking about it. And it's good to bring awareness to it. Um, so now, let's Sorry, he just brought something. Again. Here we go. The word <laughs> homelessness or homeless is there like a is there like a Without have you guys, home. Talk, have you guys <laughs> talked about like changing the word? So like, interesting because homeless is—I mean, that's yeah. just it, very specific, a, yeah. right? So we we try to say like people on the streets, pe- like pe- person first language, because um, you never want to use you know schizophrenic or you know like a bipolar person, or so you want to say someone with mental health or someone experiencing homelessness. It's a lot more syllables, but it, it's a little more sensitive or people on the streets. Yeah, or family on the streets. Yeah. yeah. Tw- 2019, Remo. This is it. We're going to have to change this word somehow. <laughs> Jesse, Christine's going to just give you a right cross right now. <laughs> Anyways, so we'll all right, let's thing. get into the uh, all right, questions. So, um, you know, a lighter topic. Uh, if you guys are not here doing this great work and you maybe want to go get a, a sandwich or, let's say, an adult beverage, which uh, Woodier locations that you, you venture off to? What's and, your go-to? Yeah, it doesn't have to be Woodier. Just it depends on what I want to, what I'm feeling for. Because here, um, <coughs> you know, Chicken Coop is. I we've been to a lot. We go to a lot. Um, like we go on bo- what, boba runs, <laughs> so at Chile, <laughs> Chile. So like we we take advantage of that. Um, the what is it like? The, well, they don't have it anymore. Um, they had a happy hour. They have a happy <laughs> hour, and like we twenty two of those, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we would send someone. <laughs> oh, that's the reason why you took it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just wanted a five gallon. Uh, yeah. yeah, deli up. Um, Starbucks. It's it's really cool because we can just drive somewhere really close. I, even like at Stater Brothers, if we want like fried chicken, we yeah. just go there. <laughs> nice, yeah. We're definitely well, about shopping local. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll say fried chicken. I thought you say Popeyes because you just got oh. Popeyes on oh, the yeah. street. Oh, yeah. Popeyes oh, and pa- yeah, for Popeyes and Popeyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Popeyes. Yeah, I like. I, I grew up on Stater Brother chicken. That's why I like it. Nice. So, <laughs> sounds good actually. Do you have any go tos or? Um, I think everything that TK said for dinner, I like bamboos in Uptown. Um, trying to think about, I mean, we live over by the quad. The grub, so. So that's oh, yeah, Grub Burger. We're at um, nice. the fish place. What is it called? Off, Off the, the Hook. hook. Yeah. Off the Hook. I'm so happy they opened one up over by where we live. <laughs> I know. Walking this closer. I know. <laughs> But those are, I mean, I, I'm really, and it's funny because my family will joke about how we don't go outside of Whittier. And we'll say, well, yeah, let's go to dinner, but let's go to Olive Garden at the Quad yeah. or let's do this. They're like, there's peop- there's a world outside of Whittier. I'm like, yeah, but why do you need to go there? <laughs> so, Not in my world. I know. 
Some you're a sucker for driving out. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we had everything. <laughs> now, if there's something that was missing in the city of Whittier that you mm. drive off you out of leave Whittier for, what would that be that you would like to see here in the city? Um, Best Buy is what we drive out of the city for. I, <laughs> or, or just a venue, like, or something. Oh. Like, it doesn't have to be a, a retail, but it's just mm. something. Um, I, I am Asian. I do go to... Um, Asian, I, I do go to like Roland Heights, San Gabriel Cerritos because they have a larger Asian community. So I go to the markets there because um, that's where I, I grew up in Santa Fe Springs. And like my mom and I would just drive to Cerritos. So that's that's yeah. what I know. Um, I was really thankful when Vallarta's open because they have, I go there for like menudo and nice. yeah. <laughs> Um, is yeah. that Asian menudo? No, <laughs> it's close enough. It's right? Yeah, it's close <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, because here's mostly like, um, like it, I mean, they they're having like a more like gastro- gastronomic or more upscale like upscale food, but sometimes it's just like I feel like for some noodles or yeah, yeah. something simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? So I have a five-year-old. I'm like five-year-old friendly thing. So like a Chuck E. Cheese would be good. Nice. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, more family spaces. I mean, I think the, the city has done a good job in terms of bringing in new businesses, which is exciting. Anytime there's a new shopping center, we're like, oh, what's going in there? <laughs> you know, but um, I think that there's, I mean, a good array now. But I mean, I think for me, it'd be more just like the electronics store. So yeah, like a Best Buy would be good. But I understand they're not everywhere. So we yeah, have yeah. in and out Chick-fil-A. I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah. We have yeah, visuals. Yeah. We have the Performing Arts Center. Yeah, it's it's mostly good. food that we want. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm there. Yeah, I'm yeah. there. What's the third question? I know we added it. It's, uh, did you guys grow up here in Whittier? Oh, oh. that's right. Uh, um, I grew up in Santa Fe Springs, but I did a lot of like high school stuff. A lot of it is because it's Whittier School District, and I volunteered a lot in Whittier. And then, um, yeah, I, I'm, well, I'm mostly Whittier adjacent. And then I moved here a few years ago near Michigan Park. So, well, see if you can answer this one as 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 well as you can. Let's you know, not to write. Um, is there anything in the city of Whittier that you like, kind of reminisce on, or heard somebody reminisce on? You're like, man, that'd be kind of cool to bring back. Skateland. <laughs> Skateland. Oh, I don't. I don't remember. I remember there was like I, I'm going back to food, but there was like a cereal place. It, it's like a choose. It's like Hold on, Chrissy's nodding your head. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah there used to be cereal place. It was before. Was everyone, it before Phoenix? Yeah, four? everyone thought it was crazy. Yeah, but yeah, I'm like yeah. it existed. I think that now. I mean, I think it was an idea that was ahead of its time. I, I agree. Um, because I think that now all the millennials that you know are in their twenties when that was definitely like. That was before Phoenix 5-4. When did Phoenix open, Remo? Do you know? 2011. So it was definitely, like, probably the late aughts. Like, 2008, 2009. That's definitely a millennial thing, because when you get to 30, 35, (laughs) (laughs) you know, your body doesn't respond well to milk. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the same. Yeah, I told my friends about that. Like, they're from Whittier, and they're like, I don't remember that. I'm like, no, I swear, it's been here. But that, yeah. Yeah, they had them on the counter, and you they had the little containers. Yeah, yeah I remember it. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. And, and it used to be a subway there, or a Quiznos. Before? It was yeah. Quiznos in the cereal place, and then Phoenix. Wow. Look at you, yeah. man. He's, he's Got to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> write, a, write a book. Well, guys, thank you guys for having us. Um, 
And if anybody wants to follow you and, and kind of sign up or, or contact you guys, what's your guys' social media, website, and all that? Get the phone number if you guys have a phone number. Um, so, hi, my name is Cecilia. I'm the Community Engagement Specialist for Whittier First Day. Um, you can follow us on social media at uh, Whittier First Day um, for Facebook, for Twitter, where Whittier the number one st day and, and it's also for that's both for instagram and twitter actually and we'll put that information on, on our website too and the show notes so if you guys want to reach out and contact them you could reach out and contact them that form and is there a, a phone number mm-hmm. phone number is at 562-945-4304 and our website is uh, WhittierFirstDay.org. Perfect, perfect. Again, thank you guys for coming on and having us yeah, here. For what you're doing. Thank yeah, you for this I mean, it's, it's, uh, you guys are doing amazing work. It's, uh, it's hard work. It might sound simple, but it's hard work. So, kudos. Thank, thank you. you. All right, Whittier, on to the next one. Thank you. Right, bye bye, Whittier. She's like, you want to do dinner with your sister? I'm like, yeah. Mm, my mom's like me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Random stuff. There you go. Oh, moms. Have you guys talked to your moms today? I talked to my mom today. On the, every on the every ring, morning. Bro. On the ring. <laughs> We're such good kids. There you go. You <laughs> All right. Okay, whatever you guys are doing.